I'm Trudy Morgan Cole, and you're listening to Shelf Steam, the podcast where I talk to interesting people about books that we find interesting. And if you've been following this podcast at all regularly, you know that for most of the past year, almost most of the past two years, uh, I've been doing mostly in-house episodes uh, with my daughter, Emma, an interesting person, about books we find interesting. But I've also been very anxious to get back to having uh, guests from outside my own house. And this month, we are lucky enough to be able to do that. Hope it continues. Everything is uncertain in 2022, just as it was for the last couple of years. But uh, this month, I was incredibly uh, privileged to be able to have Ellen Reed and Mark Hunter uh, come in and chat with me about books and reading and also about not reading. Ellen Reed is a preschool teacher, as you'll learn in our conversation, but she's also been involved in the St. John's Arts community for over 30 years as a poet, uh, visual artist, blogger, fledgling comedian, patroness of the arts. And her partner, Mark Hunter is a historian, uh, writer, videographer, uh, describes himself as a two-bit drummer and uh, amateur animator, and he has written three books of maritime naval history. I'll also mention that uh, because we were trying to be COVID-aware, uh, we uh, had more interruptions and, uh, I guess, some more background noise than usual uh, in this conversation because uh, instead of recording in the relatively soundproof basement studio, I was recording in the living room. The dog was in the background. There, we had a little bit of window. We had a window open for a little bit of uh, ventilation. So it's a much noisier podcast than we usually have and certainly uh, probably a little more of a challenge for uh, my son Chris Cole who's our sound engineer to try and make it all sound good Uh, but I hope that uh, you'll forgive us some of those imperfections because uh, we were trying to keep it as safe as possible for people to sit and have an unmasked conversation and it was a great chat. I started off with my usual question about what have you been reading lately that's left a big impact on you Uh, but of course reading has been different for all of us during these pandemic times and when Ellen responded she took the answer in kind of a different direction that I'm sure most of us can relate to. Oh well one of them (laughs) absolutely nothing Um, because of because of COVID uh, and because of the fact that I work all day long with small children and working in the pandemic, at the end of the day, uh, I do not have the brain power to read. Uh-huh. And but I am, I'm still reading pre- to, to my preschoolers, and I've I've had a lot of amazing, okay. lovely things. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So you were saying you're reading a lot to your preschoolers. Um, I've been reading everything under the sun to my preschoolers, and you know we have, so daily we have. Um, I read for an hour to my preschoolers every day, so that's been my... So I am still reading in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, the last book, which I'll talk to you during our, our, our hour together, the last book I, I read was, finished reading, was... I finished reading about that two years ago. Okay. And the book... I'm very... I'm fantasy prone, so the book um, got very much ingrained into my system when I finished, when, when I was reading it, and... Um, it was funny because it, it was very in tune with what was to happen in the world in 2020. So, oh, well, yeah. I'll be very interested to totally. hear what that one yeah, is yeah. when we get to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And <laughs> Dr. Hunter. I, I think I've been in a very similar uh, situation. Like, you know, I, I go through the day and I do my job and I, I we do like household stuff and all that kind yeah. of thing. And I kind of get to the end of the day and I find myself mindlessly scrolling through... Twitter or Reddit or Facebook and yeah. uh, it's more garbage consumption of things as opposed to anything in depth. So it's been a while since I've read a a book from from cover to cover. So you know, I I I I I got a few like fiction and nonfiction books that I kind of thought about. Well, what have they been and what how have they stood out over uh-huh. the years? Uh, uh, kind of thing, and it's largely some science fiction uh-huh. uh, works and a few uh, uh, non-fiction works, in particular in Newfoundland okay. uh, uh, studies and that kind of thing. So what are some of those that have stood out to you over the years? Uh, over, the, I think the last time uh, we were here, I think we were, it was kind of a Christmassy yes, type. Yes, yeah, you guys were on my Christmas theme. episode yeah. the yes. year before yeah, last. We, yeah, I think I was talking about uh, uh, Charles Dickens' uh, A Christmas Carol and... Uh-huh. and uh, elements of that that dealt with uh, kind of mystical time travel and so forth. So, 
And that kind of got me thinking about some other works, like H.G. Wells's Time Machine and uh, uh, the, the, the development of time travel literature and science fiction over the years. And there's been a lot of uh, talk in, in popular culture, I think, uh, because of the, the latest uh, Spider-Man movie and Doctor Strange, I think it is. Uh-huh. I'm not really up on, uh, on what the, the kids these days are watching <laughs> in the, the movie cinemas uh, uh, about uh, alternate universes and, right, and the yeah. multiverse and so forth. And, and one book that uh, I remember reading when I was much younger, I think I was in my teens, mid to late teens, came out in the 1980s. It was called Timescape. Uh, by uh, uh, Gregory Benford, mm-hmm. and this was really my introduction to this whole uh, thing that's being really popularized now by Marvel and so forth, the, the multiverse, right. and it kind of kind of builds into you know, some of the things, ironically, that we're suffering from today, eco- ecological problems, and uh, the, the future at that time was... I think it was a late, the book was written in 1980, it was the late 1980s was their future. Right, right. So the, the scientists were trying to send a message back in time uh-huh. to the 1960s, uh, and they're pinpointing where Earth was in space in the 1960s. Uh-huh. One of the big problems with time travel uh, literature and TV and all that is, well, the Earth moves through space, and That's they never right. seem to, yeah, they yeah, never seem to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. No. So this right. book did. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a, I won't, I don't, I don't really want to give away too much yeah, in case anybody in case wants, to, yeah. wants to read it, but it's, it really delves into this whole uh, multiverse uh, uh, concept of, you know, if, if you turned left, what would have happened right, yeah, as a yeah. society in mm-hmm. this case versus if you had turned left versus right, uh, what would have happened and would you have been able to head off those ecological and other uh, types of problems that uh, humanity encountered then in the late, what well, from their perspective was the late 1980s. Right. So I think that that really, that book I think really influenced me, uh, and may have been what my 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 old life was a a historian, uh-huh. and and I think that book was probably even though I read it as a teenager, one of my early introductions to thinking about how history may have unfolded differently based on different choices a society uh, may have made. Mm -hmm. And although I I never professionally or in school really went down the the rabbit hole of counterfactual history, there's a whole host of of literature and studies and scholars out there who do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So I think that was probably one of the the books I read that really stood out in my mind and, mm-hmm. and in looking it up before I came here today I think it won a number of uh, science fiction literature awards back back in the day uh-huh. so yeah that, that's, that's probably the while I haven't read much recently mm-hmm. that when I reflect on things I have read is probably one of the books that really stood out in in my mind for for what I what I've read and how it's influenced me and my my outlook on things. Mm-hmm, for sure. What about you, Ellen? Are the, are the books that are really stood out to you as a, a book that's had a big influence or a big impact on on you? <sighs> um. Well, there's a book. Well, I guess the book that I, even though I don't love it, the book that keeps kind of coming up into my zeitgeist of personal culture is, um, I, I guess I don't love it is The Handmaid's Tale because so many things have come into fruition from uh-huh. that book and especially like the government and whatever but I find that even the fact that I always I always keep it as a as a single a single-ish white female I always keep money in, um, somewhere in my house because and in the beginning of the book she loses her economic freedom right yeah. and so it's so that's been a book and, and just even like what's going on now in the world it's I, I read that book in in university probably 25 years ago but there have been so many echoes Yes, um, that yeah. have happened in this day and age, like with with the government and women's um, fertility rights. And just it's really it, it's quite phenomenal. But uh, but the book that I guess the book that's really been I don't want to use plaguing, but plaguing my <laughs> brain is that. Um, and this is the book that I wanted to talk about this evening was um, I finished reading Liz Picard's book Freak. 
Oh, interesting. About a week before the 2020 pandemic hit St. John's. Now, I don't think a lot of people have read that book. I oh, have, my but goodness. It was, a lot, it was I read it before it was published. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, about Freak. Freak? Um, Freak is a neat, really, really neat, exciting book that it takes place in a post-viral society. Mm. And the main character, you don't know the main... I didn't... I never really discovered the main character's name or gender, but the whole story takes place in downtown St. John's in the future. And um, what I found very interesting when I was reading is that I work in a preschool in downtown St. John's. A lot of the story takes place near the railway station, and a lot of this book takes place in the South Side Hills. So while I was reading this book, I was out in the playground at daycare, and I could see... Wow, yeah. See the... the so it was, Yeah, and, and it kind of got really ingrained. So when, so when the book was finished, it was a week before... It was, it was, it was a week before the pandemic... The, shunt, the first sunshine of St. Oh, John's. Wow. So, and because I am very fantasy prone, when the shutdown happened, um, Mark picked me up from school on the 16th of March, and I had read, finished reading Freak about a week before, and I wasn't totally in tune what was going on in the universe when it came to the, to the coronavirus. Right, And yeah. I had to say to Mark, okay, exactly what has happened that is reality versus... Because it's it is a it's a beautiful very futuristic book, uh-huh. and um, it's it's exciting and there's so many things in the book in Freak that have happened in um, in society. Mm-hmm. So it's very it, it, it's very almost prophetic. Wow. Um, like the fact there's a virus, the fact that um, a lot of there's a kind of a weird online learning thing that happened where the where the, where the where the the main character is she's being tested so there's a whole thing where she's interacting with computers or oh, he wow. or she, I'm saying she but they yeah they are a, interacting yeah. with computers yeah. and just um, there's a bit of an apathy between the character and their interaction with computers and a lot of time uh, there's been a the, the character goes back and develops an analog radio station situation as well. So it's there were so many really interesting things that happened in this, and even just the interaction with the, the medical system. Uh-huh. So it, it, and then the control of the government and the medical system is very, I'm not, I don't think I'm describing it very well, but I, it, um, it just, it's, it's because it, I, I don't know, I, I don't think it's been published as widely in physical paperback copies. Yeah. So I've read it, I was, I, I read a copy on, um, I was given a, an e-copy, which is actually ironically the first and only book I've actually read cover, cover to cover, in quotation marks, um, in an, e, in an e, oh, really? e-book form. But it was just very powerful and very, um, to the point where, again, I had trouble um, saying, no, what's going on in 2020 during this pandemic? I don't know what's reality and what's, fiction because I've just finished reading this very powerful book. You so. almost had to have trouble separating the reality from Well, I had to get Mark to say, okay, explain this to me. I don't know what's happened here. Yeah, so. and I think that speaks volumes to the worlds yeah. that uh, these authors create. That, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, often people say, oh, we, no, we could never have predicted that yeah. something could have happened. But you, you look at absolutely you could have yeah, absolutely yes. could have predicted things oh, that have happened. One of my, written about so many yeah, times. It's, one of it's, my favorite novels uh, of recent years was actually written during 2020, and the author blogged it online, oh. chapter by chapter, as things were unfolding, and then published it after. And one of the chapters starts. We live in precedented times. Yeah, it basically yeah. says you know people keep saying it's unprecedented, but these kind of things have been happening all throughout exactly. human history, and we were exactly. we would be foolish not to think it was ever going to happen again. Totally. So this so that was the book that, I and I I think I remember I think when I finished reading it, um, I remember kind of lying in bed crying because it was just so powerful, and then like a week later, it's like oh by the way, all this, this is, is happening. This, this is reality, and it's like. <laughs> Like, what do you mean this is reality? And but just, wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So it's yeah. it very, very, very interesting. And just um, also there's a whole thing about um, 
dealing with elderly people and, and elderly parents. Oh, okay. Which in, I've been dealing with my elderly parents. And right. So it's, it was very, just, I'm almost like, I don't want to be cliche and say it was a bit of the roadmap for the future, but it kind of was. Yeah. I had, I had, I had a bit of a, in the back of my brain, a bit of an expectation about what the next two years was going to be about. So hmm. maybe that's why I haven't read anything since. That like is I, so interesting. Yeah. Now, so one, real... one thing I found myself that I, I have fortunately still been able to read, but I can't read anything dystopian. No. Like, especially if it's plague related. Yeah. Uh, so many people have said to me, oh, you should read Station Eleven. Everybody has to read... Emily say John Mandel, I think. About yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, oh, no, you have to read Station Eleven. I am not. I know it's a great book, and everybody loves it, but I am not going to read about a plague that has wiped out 97% of their... Even if people are putting on Shakespeare plays afterwards, I can't cope no, with that no. right now. Is that the movie... Is that, that the book they've made a TV series out of? They might have by now, I Because I think my... Cousin is one of the cinematographers on the TV series. Oh, it could be. Yeah, was, yeah. Because yeah, again, that was out before COVID. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of years before, and everybody's raving about it. And then when the pandemic hit, people were saying, "Oh, you really should read Station Eleven. It's so for this moment." And I was like, "No, that's exactly why I'm not going to read it. I can't cope with that right no, now." No, it's it's. I, I wish I could read. I also desperately, because of the because of the plague, um, I haven't been able to get to the to, to an eye doctor, and I desperately need new eyeglasses. Oh yeah. So. Um, I, I, I love lying in bed and reading, but my vision has gotten, being a, well, you're a woman, my, my eyes, my, my vision is changing, so luckily I have an eye, I, I'm going to see a, an eye doctor like next week, so oh, I get good. to buy new glasses, I haven't had a new pair of glasses since 1999, so, oh my goodness, yeah, wow, so I yeah. need to get new glasses, you definitely need to see an eye doctor, yeah, so I need, so that, yeah, that's my, but yeah, that's, anybody, if, if you can find a copy of, I don't, I don't really know even how it's even published, but it's if you can find a copy of Freak, it's worth, it's really worth reading. It was nominated for um, the Fresh Fish Awards. With yeah, the, which with, is actually how I read it because I was on the jury for the oh, Fresh Fish okay. Awards at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so what I, what I always do at the end of the uh, podcast is let people know that if you go to my website, prettymorgancole.com, and click on the Shelf Esteem link, uh, there's always show notes for every episode. So every book that people have talked about... <laughs> I list because people are always like, oh, I missed some of the ones you talked about. And then I'll put a link to wherever it's available. Mm. So, uh, Freak by, uh, I think it's under the pen name, J.E. Solo. J.E., yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I would love to have the, um, her playlist of what she was listening to musically while oh, she yeah. was writing that book. For because sure, there's so yeah. many amazing, it's very, very gritty, very punk rock, very futuristic. Anyway, yeah. It's very cool. So, read it. Anyway, um, yeah, I know I asked you a bunch of questions here, and I don't know if there are any particular ones that you wanted to uh, to jump in on. Um, I would like to... The one I love, uh, of the list of questions you gave me, um, this, because this, this author passed away at Christmas time, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's this Christmas time or the previous Christmas time, I mean 2020 or 2021, um, I have to, like give a shout out to the fact that um, growing up, one of the books, when I was going to high school at Booth up the road, I read all the Anne Rice novels. Oh yes, and Anne and Rice did just, just she did pass away. away. Yeah. So um, those books were a really big influence on me when I was in high school. Uh -huh. So if I were to go to any, if, if I, I guess one of the questions on your list was, which character would you have fallen in love with? Yes, have you ever fallen in love with a fictional character? Well, I I loved Louis as the Sook, in those in, in, in and I loved him as a Sook, and I also loved Lestat as a rock star vampire. Uh -huh. So if I were to fall in love with anybody, in any any novel, they right. would be the two. And I I when I was in high school, I wrote a whole series of my own vampire stories, uh -huh. which one of them later won an arts and letters competition. Wow. So yeah, so so I guess if, if um under the question of of what, I guess, what book even influenced you as a child. Yeah. Um, when, when you're in high school, you're still a child. Oh, absolutely, and, yes. Um, yeah, you're still so, unformed. Un unformed. So I had read, um, you know, I've been offered all kinds of, you know, Sweet Valley High and Judy Bloom stuff. Nothing against that no. genre, but that was not me. Yeah. So once I discovered the, the gothic fiction and the, the smutty vampire romance <laughs> books of your high school life, those are, what I, those are what I really, really enjoyed reading. So, yeah. And that would, you know, so if I had to go to any, 
any time. I'd love to go to like New Orleans in the I guess late seventies, early eighties when those books were, were set and oh, just wow. experience that part of the world. So, and I'm I'm, I'm just. You know, because I am like downwind from where from the space formerly known as Booth, <laughs> I, I I had to kind of give that as a shout of of, of one of the things that I, oh, I, sure. I really had to share. So any uh, like, I guess the first the first three vampire novels, and I read them out of order. Uh -huh. Um, I read. I think the, I think Interview with a Vampire is is the no I read Vampire Lestat, which is the second book. I read that one first, mm -hmm. and then I read. Um, so I read Vampire Lestat first, and then I read Interview with the Vampire, which is actually, I, I, anyway, I read them out of order, which, um, influenced my love of who I loved more, so. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so because I read Vampire Lestat first, I thought that he was the victimized person, whereas it's, the vampire, whereas actually it's the other way around, where Louis was the, was, was the victim in those stories. Right. right? So it's. But, yeah. but you had a different impression. I had a different impression because I read The Man of Order. And I also read, um, again, when I read the Douglas Adams series, I read The Restaurant at the End of, at the, end of, at the, end of the, uh, the Universe before I read... Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, so I read those out of order. So, it, so when oh, you read yeah. those books out of order, they, they, they give you a different impression. As oh, to, yeah, I think that's often true of books. And, and, yeah, yeah. and we do that, right? Yeah, Pick yeah. up the second in a series and then go back and read yeah. the first. And, yeah. So I found Restaurant the universe, at, the universe, at the End of the Universe much funnier than Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because that's that's my that, yeah. that, like like that was my personal take. How, how did you uh, find get or get introduced to those Hitchhikers uh, books? Cause I, I have I have a story about how I'm I think I I think I may have been down at the old second page bookstore when it where it's now like a it's now like an abandoned space. Yeah. Um, I think I was down there, and I think I found it on the bookshelf, and I went, that looks like an interesting title. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And I just picked it up, and I, I don't think I really knew what it was. Okay. And I, I think I, I, it was, I didn't read, I didn't read any kind of leisurely books during the semester when I was in university, because when you're doing a really heavy English degree, you don't have time to you read. You don't have time. Yeah. So I think I read The Restaurant at the, at the, the Universe maybe during exams one time mm -hmm. to kind of to kind of cleanse my intellectual palate. So, uh -huh. And so I read that and I thought it was extremely like laugh my butt off funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um and then I read um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a little while later, right. which I discovered the, the answer to the meaning of life. That's you, right. So it's funny. So yeah. yeah it, it's interesting how you, you came to find those books in that way by going into a physical uh, bookstore. Uh, bookstore and seeing it on, on a bookshelf. I came to these books through a different route, and today, with internet being so popular, it's commonplace for people to download e-books and, yeah, yeah. and, and explore books that way and check them out from the libraries, e-books. Mm -hmm. um, back in the 1980s, mid-late late 1980s, uh, I had a Commodore 64. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that uh, was uh, 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 one of the early popular home computer uh, uh -huh, systems. You yeah. hook it up to us. I remember it. was a standard well, TV. Yeah. And, <laughs> but one of the things that was I very popular. My 64, you adore my 64. Commodore 64. Everybody I remember now. that jingle. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, popular types of games on those systems back then were word games. Yes. And um, I remember, I don't know where I got it. It was downloaded off of an old-fashioned uh, bulletin board system where you yeah. log in with the dial-up modem and find or if I got it through like an underground trading network that <laughs> operated in Newfoundland at the time. But I got the word game of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, I think I remember not yeah. playing that, but like being around someone. Who yeah, was playing it, it was. All my college friends were yeah. very into Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, in okay, all cool. formats. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is where I I had encountered it from, it. and it was all text based. Uh -huh. So you were making, you were visualizing this world uh -huh. in your head, and it was like reading. A, a story, but it was almost like one of these choose yeah, your like own choose adventure. Your own adventure. Yeah, like a choose your So I distinctly remember getting stuck in the game. <laughs> and I think it was a part where I was trying to get a cup of tea from a vending machine <laughs> right, and yeah. hook it up to the infinite improbability drive uh -huh. uh, to get the, the ship going and the ship turns into a whale and it yeah. goes on from there. But, but having I, not read the book, you wouldn't understand. You but having that. not read the book, I didn't understand. Uh -huh. And I got stuck. And so I, just, I, I don't know how I came across uh, 
realizing this was based on uh, Douglas Adams' radio play. And there was a, right, a, right. I think at around the same time, YTV was airing the British yes, uh, yeah. old yeah, version yeah, yeah. of Hitchhikers. So I went to the library. <laughs> the, li the library! <laughs> and I found a copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh -huh. And I was deter very, you know, focused on solving a problem. I, okay, i got to read the book to, to figure try out, to figure how, to out the game. how to yeah. get further in the game. So I read the book and eventually, yeah, let's say do it. Uh, and I, I got further in the game. I don't know whether I completed or not, but I think <laughs> no. it did. And that, that introduced me, that was a gateway into this really absurd uh, world of Hitchhiker's Guide to the oh, Galaxy. Yeah. And, and yeah. So it's, it's interesting, Ellen, that you came to the book going into a physical bookstore, bookstore yeah. and seeing it. And oh, that's an interesting <clears throat> title. title. Yeah. I what, and I came to it from in from the, the 1980s, yeah. a, 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 not even a video game, a text-based Well, I game. also started reading those books in the 80s when they were quite recently out. I cannot remember how I discovered them. I suspect it was probably a guy I liked or was dating, because oh, that yeah. was generally any sci-fi that I got into was usually because of some guy. Yeah, yeah. And often the love for the sci-fi lasted longer than the relationship, but that was okay. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely devoured them, and I remember... One year when I was home on my Christmas break, because I went to university outside Newfoundland, I came home and I had to have two of my wisdom teeth out on Christmas oh break. My, oh no! Uh, and so I was in, I, I had them out and um, I had to be like, I was, you know, in bed sort of re recuperating <laughs> from all this, you know, traumatic experience. And I remember my mom asked, did I want anything? Was there anything I particularly wanted while I was recovering? Yeah, you can't bark in the middle of my good story. About no, no. And um, the, I think the fourth book, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, had just come out. Oh. And I said, yeah, I want the new Hitchhiker's Guide book. I want So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. And I read that while I was in bed recovering from oh, having my wisdom teeth out. So yeah, we, we've, we've been through all our Hitchhiker's Guide origin yes. stories. Yes. Now. Um, <laughs> um, I cannot have a discussion on literature without mentioning four mothers um it's my it's funny because um i've even though i'm not reading a lot i'm still kind of um beating the four mothers of newfoundland drum okay so i um i did a show back in um december of a comedy variety show at Velvet mm -hmm. and one of the first things I did when I got put on stage was give a big old shout out to Helen Porter of course who yes. is a huge I think she's about to be 91 and she is she's the, an icon she's yeah. an icon and so whenever I do a podcast like this I have to mention the foremothers of Newfoundland culture absolutely so and please tell so, us yeah. what, what foremothers and, and oh well, I have to mention well the, the um any book that any of these people have written go for it because if it wasn't for these writers in Newfoundland you wouldn't have the vibrant cultural Absolutely. society we have today so um, there's an, a thing there's an organization in Newfoundland which um, it is it's kind of one of the cornerstones of Newfoundland culture and that's the Newfoundland Writers Guild and there have been many many amazing people um, involved with the guild over the years and it, and, it, and, it, and it predates the Writers Alliance and it predates a lot of modern Newfoundland culture Absolutely, and predates yeah. the internet, predates everything um, but if you had to pick up any Newfoundland authors in the past hundred years you would have to go to any of the following women in Newfoundland culture in um, who are amazing writers so you have Helen Porter you have um, Roberta Buchanan, you have Bernice Morgan, uh, you have Melba Rabinovitz, and you also have Joan Scott, who are five very iconic Newfoundland writers. Absolutely. And anything yeah. you can read by them, go for it. Because if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for any of these amazing, amazing women, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the, the, you wouldn't, you, um, you wouldn't have, you probably wouldn't have burlesque happening and that kind of female. Expressionism. Yeah. You wouldn't have female comics. You wouldn't have female singers because these are the women that that they're they're the foundation for what we have today. Absolutely. I mean, they formed the Newfoundland Writers Guild at a time when, you know, Newfoundland writers were barely a thing, mm -hmm. much less Newfoundland women writers. Exactly. And, and these women, you know, just 
owning their voices and saying, you know, we have something to say in this culture. Totally. And it's, and, and this is the time, like, when, when, when the Writers Guild was formed, you had women who were basically, you know, cooking the meal and serving them and, and mending the clothes and just taking care of the... Like, well, yeah. they did more than that, but... But they were a lot of them were in that traditional housewife role. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's so that, so whenever I'm I'm on a podcast like this or any any kind of venue, I think I've um, I will get up and I will say you know because there are people you know floating around St. John's right now doing their thing who don't know about the guild and who don't know that Helen Porter exists and they don't know that there's a bridge named after Helen Porter and that's right. So yeah. it's amazing. So yes, that that's something that I have to always point out. So, Absolutely. So if yeah. you are you know, Google any... Oh, Lillian Bozetta is the other name yeah. that I have to... Uh, she's... These are such amazing forces that they are <sighs> powerful. That's yeah. all I can say. Powerful Absolutely. and scary and encouraging. So, you know... Um, yeah. So these are... So if, if, if you are a, you know, a, a, a woman or any, any person, you know, find any piece of literature by any of these women mm -hmm. and read it and just be inspired to express yourself in your own ways. So Absolutely. Really and again, in the show notes, I'll, I'll put a list of, of some of these women and some of their links to some of their books. Exactly. Uh, Please yeah, do. Absolutely. These are all very iconic people. So. I have to also say for listeners of the podcast that one of my one of my greatest coups on this podcast was interviewing Bernice Morgan and Helen oh. Porter for a podcast. <gasps> That's right. Was, we went out to uh, where Helen is now in, oh. in a retirement home and brought in the, the mic and the computer oh. and, and just recorded a conversation about books between the two of them, which was so great. The last time I saw Helen Porter was about three or four years ago, four years ago, I guess now. And mm -hmm. she, uh, um, she turned to me and she said, she goes, when is your book coming out? Uh, <laughs> and four yes. years later, it still hasn't happened. So, so when you have someone as mighty and lovely as Helen Porter who turns to you and goes, when is your book coming out? Mm. And Jerry Robo is another person you need to... Yes, people need yeah, to pick her up poetry, and, for sure. her poetry and just what what these just the spirit of these women and what they encourage people to say so. absolutely i'll say one from one of my own stories um joan clark too mm -hmm. is another yeah. one um and she i remember it was at a newfoundland writers guild luncheon that joan clark said one of the most encouraging things anyone ever said to me yeah because uh, i was this is many years ago now i was pregnant at the time with my first child who is now a full-grown adult uh, and there were uh, several other women my age there uh, who were saying, oh, well, you're not going to get any writing done once the baby comes. You're just going to have to put that on hold, you're, you know, because they, they were a few years older than me and had already had kids. And Joan, who, of course, was a full generation older than me and whose mm -hmm. kids were raised, leaned over to me really quietly while they were talking about something else and said, you know, sometimes when people tell you you can't do something, it's just because they didn't do it themselves. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, and then she started telling me how when her kids were small, it was actually a really productive time for her yeah, as yeah. a writer. Totally. And she would, you know, she would write when they were at, you know, playtime or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I still remember those words. But it was, yeah, that, that whole culture of women lifting up other women and mm -hmm. making the way for those who came after them is, yeah, yeah, very, uh, very important shout out. Oh, to totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, my big nugget of, advice that I will that I that I carry with me in my back pocket all the time that Helen Porter gave me that I spread to everybody was Helen Porter said to me and I'm paraphrasing that if you I, I did a I did a, a, a writing class with Helen Porter at the old women's center mm -hmm. on on a military road in 1997 98 and she said in this um, in this workshop series she said if you can find 10 minutes to be to write or even be expressive like paint or whatever mm -hmm. if you can find 10 minutes a day to do that then you're doing okay oh that's great so that was great the best advice. so yeah. even at the end like as a preschool teacher and during the pandemic at the end of the day if i can find 10 minutes to write in my journal every day mm -hmm. yeah then you're doing okay or that's right. 10 minutes to be expressive so that's so anybody who's out there who's struggling with the pandemic and struggling with all this it's just if you can find 10 minutes to yourself to be expressive to be your creative self yeah, yeah that's that's that so, so like so I, even though i am tired and even though i do, don't get to read as much as i want to read and i do have a lot of uh pandemic fatigue i have carried that little bit of advice throughout all this so mm, yeah that's, that's so great it's all good that's i'm gonna so put great. that on a <laughs> stitch it and put it on a you know, uh, put on a on, on a sampler and put it over my <laughs> over my bed. For you can sure. do ten minutes. You're doing yeah. okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's really good, really good advice, and it's good that you 
uh, uh, tell people about these uh, foremothers yeah. of uh, Newfoundland uh, literature and culture. I I don't know. If, I I grew up in in Grand Falls. Now now Grand Falls, Windsor, and I don't know if it was because I wasn't paying attention or what as a, a younger person, but I found that. Um, and again, maybe it was a bunch of wasn't paying any attention. The the situation there, I think, was different than here in that there wasn't that critical mass of uh, foremothers or forefathers uh, uh, being creative, at least that I could observe uh, growing up, um, to seek advice from or be inspired by. Um, I, I know I had, uh, and, and I, I be, m must be careful for not, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, uh, <laughs> I, I had one teacher who was very encouraging of me, uh, uh, Jim Hornell, and, uh, of my interest in history and writing and that sort of thing. Uh, but I did find growing up, uh, what literature that I was exposed to growing up basically consisted of... Uh, say Cassie Brown, Death on the Ice, right, yeah. or Lure of the Labrador Wild, where yes, yeah. you, you know travel five miles and I had to eat my boots. Yeah. Travel another ten miles and I ate my buddy. And and, <laughs> and and that I guess as a young person trying to find my way creatively didn't seem to present many role models or or opportunities for. Uh, where one would want to uh, focus on creatively. So I found I, I drifted around mm -hmm. a, a lot for, for many years, eventually uh, went into doing maritime and naval history and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, but I, I, I wonder if, the, uh, if it's a case that you almost need a, a critical mass of, of people who are inspiring each other and talking to each other and being uh, inspirations for, mm. for the next generation. And, mm -hmm. and if you don't have that in a community or region, or if it, just because the numbers aren't yeah, there, yeah. Uh, whether it's harder then, or does that spark an individual who is creative to be even more creative? Mm. I, I, I'm not sure what the answer is there, but I, I, I think my... My, my experience and observations not being from St. John's and not growing up in St. John's, there seemed to be a bit of, of a divide. Mm. And I, I spent a number of years as a, as a child in Corner Brook. Mm -hmm. and, and one of my earliest memories is my mother bringing me to the library right. in, in Corner Brook and, and going through the book stacks and sitting on the windowsill and and. and thumbing through uh, children's books and reading and those sorts of things. And there seemed to be much more of, and again, this is nothing against anybody or any region, no. uh, there seemed to be much more of a, uh, a, a cultural literature type atmosphere. Again, is it because it was a bigger center versus a smaller center or or what? I'm, I'm not too sure. Of course, you had the, what then was the new uh, Sir Wilfred Grenfell uh, college right, uh, yeah. had, had been founded out there and with its uh, uh, arts uh, mm -hmm. tradition and milieu mm -hmm. uh, there. So I, I don't know where the answer is, but I think uh, when, when Ellen read off the list of foremothers, I, and again, this is nothing against anybody, and maybe it's just not my where growing up, I yeah. wasn't really cognizant of this. Maybe it was mm -hmm. going on. Uh, where where I was. Well, to my credit, yeah. the reason why I fell in the lap of these ladies was because, and I'm not going to name my godfather, but my godfather was a very lovely absentee godfather who was very heavily involved in the arts community. And at a certain point in my life, um, I think he knew that he couldn't serve me creatively as he would much as he would want to. So um, he... When I was 17 years old, he said, oh, you should go join the Writers' Alliance. Huh. And that's when I fell into this. So only because this... Okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the name. My my, my godfather was Ron Romke. Oh. And he... Um, I don't see any problem with oh, saying no, Ron Romke's name. Because it's, it's a very... It's, he, he was also a very lovely, very famous Newfoundland. Oh, absolutely. I thought Larry. it was going to be the name of someone who was... 
almost like disgraced or no, 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 or something. No, 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 I just, I, I, I didn't want to throw out his name because I've, I've told this story so often that it's like, oh. But you not, haven't told it on this podcast No, I haven't. Okay, well, long story short, I was in grade 12, and my parents were kind of wondering, like, well, She's been publishing a lot of poetry. I'm kind of concerned about her. Your, is your child getting into poetry? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, like, you tell tale songs. <laughs> exactly. So my dad said, you have to go talk to your Uncle Ron. And my Uncle Ron, at the time, he was around a lot when I was really little. But then when he was, um, when as I was growing up, he was over in France and doing a lot of research and whatever. So um, when I was in grade twelve, my dad said, "You have to go and have you have to go and have a talk with your uncle Ron." <laughs> so I remember walking from Booth to my uncle Ron's. He's not he's not physically my uncle. He's no. he's my courtesy he's, uncle. My courtesy uncle. He was my dad's best friend growing up. Uh huh. And I so I went to my uncle Ron's um, office in the science building and had this long discussion about what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, and. At the end of the, during the conversation, this is about March or April of grade 12, mm. during the course of the conversation, he said, you need to go and join the Writers' Alliance. Mm. So one of the first things I did when I first finished high school was troop down the hill to the Queen's Road office of the Writers' Alliance at the time. It's, it's now moved to, um, it's now on Duckworth Street, but at the right. time the old, you know, the, the, you know, it was a very cold building. Uh-huh. And so, and that's when I, so because I joined the Writers' Alliance in 1992, fresh out of high school, mm-hmm. I got to meet a lot of fabulous, fabulous, lovely, beautiful women. And it's, it was to my uncle, it was to my uncle, my, my, my godfather's credit that I, was, that I was able to meet all these fabulous women who were very heavily involved. Mm-hmm. And so I got to meet the Helen Porters and the Bernice Morgans and the Janet McNaughton's and all these amazing women at a very, very young age. And, yeah. And pretty much told that I could do whatever I wanted to do creatively. Mm-hmm. And, and then I became a preschool teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> and are doing so many things. And I'm doing so many things. Yeah, totally. But it's, 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 it's that example that's kind of led me to. Yeah. So, yeah. So, any of, again, all the names we've listed are amazing, mm-hmm. creative, beautiful, fantastic women who have encouraged so many other beautiful, amazing, creative people to do what, to do what they do now. So. Well, that fits so neatly into, because one of my questions is always, are there books, or is there a book, or are there books that you always want to encourage other people to read? And I think that's, uh, that's great. It's <sighs> that, that's, encouraging people that's to my, read the, read the foremothers, I mean. as you say. Exactly. So. What about you, Mark? Are there books you, uh, you press on people, or you tell people, you know, you really, everyone should really read this? I, I guess uh, in terms of uh, fiction books, I, I spoke to earlier uh, uh-huh. about uh, a couple of science fiction ones. Uh, non-fiction-wise, yeah. um, the one book that's really stood out in my mind, uh, and I just got vague whiffs of it floating around my, my mind, because it, it, it was over 20 years ago I read it. I think it was called Revolt of the Masses, by okay. Jose E. Gassat, I think his, his name was, uh-huh. and uh, talked about the dynamics of, of society and uh, how governments function and uh, how they handle uh, crises and policy and that sort of thing. That, that, uh, that particular book uh, uh, stuck out in my, in my mind as something that I, a book that I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, people should uh, read. Um, but I, I really think it, it's up to people to really... I know we're, we keep coming back to the theme of physical uh, uh, bookstores and libraries versus online. This is a podcast online. It is, yeah. Um, one, one thing that I think, instead of, uh, of, of passing on a book to someone and saying, you must read this, mm-hmm. I would encourage people to actually go to a library Yes, and, yeah. and 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 wander the stacks. Mm-hmm. The, the some of the the most interesting finds that I've made is just wandering 
the stack. So I, I might yeah. I might have gone to a current back in the day, the current yeah, catalog, current and said, yeah. okay, this is a book on a, a topic I, I'm interested in, uh-huh. and, and I'll go up to the stacks. But then on either side, yes, yeah, you find all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, you can find all other cool stuff. You kind of get led along. Yeah, it's in, the genius in, of the library cataloging system. Yeah. That if you find one book you're interested in, others will be near it. Exactly, and, and I don't think you get that in a mm. digital online format. At least I, I can't wrap my head around how you get that. In yeah, it you don't get that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of e-reading, uh, and I do almost all my reading uh, on the iPad, largely yeah. because of the same problem you mentioned of eyesight, that yeah. I like to be able to bump the font size yeah, up same. really huge. Yeah. Uh, but to f- actually find books, nothing beats going into a bookstore or a oh, yeah. library and just happening across them and, yeah. you know, seeing them. Yeah, and... Yeah. It's, it's those experiences that I think uh, really then inspire someone in terms of a world they might want to get absorbed yes, in, whether yeah. it's like Anne Rice or uh-huh. uh, uh, other worlds that they might uh, find interesting to them and mm-hmm. find characters that they might fall in love uh, with. Yeah. And then there's uh, uh, hand-me-down uh, books or books mm, you yes. might find at a, at a cottage. Uh, I, I found... Um, I, I, I don't know if I found it in a cottage or at, uh, at a, a little drugstore near uh, a cottage, uh, a two-book set of all the Sherlock Holmes uh, oh, stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to get lost in a world, you, mm-hmm. you get these short vignettes that you can get uh, lost in. So oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know if I, I want to say that there's any one book I would want to uh, push off on anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I know. I spoke earlier about um, almost in a dismissive manner. I didn't really intend to do so. Like, you know, Cassie Brown's "Death on the Ice" is, is an important book. Absolutely. Um, and in reflecting on other works of Newfoundland, and, and I, I guess I, I don't, I haven't read in recent years as much um, fiction because for many years in in school I was just reading all this non-fiction stuff and it didn't yes, yeah. leave much time for uh, uh, fictional uh, material. Uh, another work in, in Newfoundland studies that I became very impressed and intrigued by is uh, Doug Leto's book, uh, Chocolate Bars and Rubber Boots, I think is oh, what it was called, based on his uh, master's thesis from the mid-1990s mm-hmm. about uh, Smallwood's uh, oh, the whole industrialization. Yeah, the, yeah, the industrialization yeah. era, era uh-huh. the first uh, number of years after uh, Confederation, where they tried cement factories and gypsum yes, plants yeah. and textile uh, factories and so forth, and chocolate factories, uh, trying to uh, diversify Newfoundland's uh, uh, economy and. You know, you got you got to try uh, something uh, uh, almost like a gambling type mm-hmm. uh, roll roll yeah. of the dice. Yeah, and they roll basi- a bunch of dice and hope some of them come up. Yeah, they basically ended up squandering the the limited surplus that was left mm-hmm. over from the commission of government uh, era. Uh, but but the uh, one of the key takeaways uh, from it has been that this was the. Uh, era after Newfoundland joined Canada, mm-hmm. no longer protected by tariffs. We had to compete uh, against uh, uh, industries elsewhere in Canada and around the world, and for a number, a number of reasons, we, we couldn't compete. The transportation costs were high, quality of goods that were produced unfortunately weren't uh, uh, as high a quality as competitors. There were some accusations uh, against the, the, the people involved mm-hmm. in, yeah. in uh, uh, what happened and whether they're actually qualified to make the decisions and, mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Uh, but another takeaway from uh, this uh, uh, study was that you know, Newfoundland wasn't alone. This was an era where a lot of governments everywhere, in particular in, in developing countries, were trying uh, industrialization mm-hmm. experiments. And, and then this, well, well, then that didn't work. Uh, the next era of the Smallwood uh, industrialization or economic development plan was, of course, mining in Labrador and the, the right. upper, upper, upper Churchill uh, mm-hmm. Falls. But again, these, uh, it was a different era. It was the, 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 the mega project uh, era. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, I've, I've, I, was, I, I found that book originally 
uh, among my father's collection mm-hmm. of books. He, 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 he absorbed uh, works on, on Newfoundland history mm-hmm. and politics. He had this full volume set of the books of, of Newfoundland, oh, right. which are <laughs> the, the oh, brown brown books. I remember them well. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're, I, I have them now. And amongst the the collection, in, in amongst the, the 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 books on John Crosby and uh, everything else was this this thin uh, book by Doug Leto, of course, mm-hmm. famous from uh, being with the CBC. Right. And I remember sitting down after my father read it and, and reading it myself, and it left me with uh, a, a very uh, uh, informed uh, impression of that era in Newfoundland and Labrador's uh, economic uh, development. So if, if anyone's interested in that, that For topic, sure, I, yeah. I'd certainly... Uh, yeah, I haven't read that, that one, on, but on I, people, I remember yeah. seeing, uh, you know, see, seeing something about it, thinking that would be really interesting mm. to know more about that uh, that period. Mm. Um, we're getting close to needing to wrap up, but I always ask people because I throw all these questions at you and tell you to think about them, but yeah. we don't end up discussing them no, all. No. But are there any books you wanted to talk about that we haven't got to yet that we haven't got a chance to mention? Um, no, but if I'm gonna, if I would recommend one other book. Uh-huh. That would be a really a book that's influenced me. Um, my mom, even though I grew up in Newfoundland, my mom is from PEI. Uh-huh. And one book that I was almost forced to read, but I did enjoy it, um, is the you know the penultimate uh, book of PEI. It would be the um, Anne of Green Gables, which is a really neat book about encouraging. If you look at it from a perspective of, of, a, of you know a, a kid who's having a hard time and uses escapism and, and imagination yeah and it's also in the tradition of there's there's a number of tradition of um of the orphan tale yes it's, it's a yeah. good it's a, so, that, so i would recommend that to any kid who was already grown up who just wanted to, who just wants a bit of non-fiction a bit of fiction escapism during these really weird times yes. um there are books that i have acquired that i do i have i have bought bridget canning's second book and i haven't read it yet oh it's wonderful oh, i know it so highly i, I, so I want to read it and I when just, you do and when the time is right you will really enjoy it totally and i also i have i have bought um, Tracy Bottleton's um, "Send More Taurus, the last ones. And I haven't. Yes. And I have. I haven't read it either, but it deserves a prize. Just it for the deserves title. a prize, and I. So these are books that I have been acquiring. Um, uh-huh. Sue Sinan's book, I've have acquired that too. But these are all books that I've acquired, and just because of the state of the world, I really, really want to read these things, oh. and I just, you know. So now, so I want to read that. You know, I. When life gets more stable and a yeah. little less plaguey, that I you'll have totally, them to look forward to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So those are some books that I do have to. I'm going to come back and ask you one more thing, but first, yeah. Mark, do you have any books you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet? Uh, not, not really. I think I, I've covered a lot of the the books that have been bubbling around in my my mind right, uh, yeah. lately. Um, I I think, like Ellen said a while ago, with the the pandemic. And, and all that a lot of the genres that I used to be very interested in mm-hmm. whether they were mysteries or uh, techno thrillers um, uh, I, I've become less like they're very stressful to read yes, whether it's, a, yeah. whether it's an, a simple thing like a, an Ian Rankin detective mm-hmm. novel or a Tom Clancy novel or Stephen King something like that you know, I, I go to start reading them mm-hmm. and I go, oh, this is is kind of stressful, oh, stressful I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get that mm. totally um, the one thing I was going to ask you Ellen was at the beginning you mentioned reading a lot to your preschoolers yes and I really want to know do you have for anybody out here who listening who might have a preschooler in their family oh. or in their circle do you have a favorite book for that group that you recommend or just something yes, that they I really do. respond to I can't remember the name of the author uh, we'll, we'll look it up and put it in the show notes but don't worry <laughs> if you want well first of all you if you have if you have a youngster in your life find any of the copies of down by jim long stage oh yes by, by you, anybody um if you're you, you you cannot you have you that's the i i acquire that book i i'm always giving that book away to people that's the ultimate i, I found a copy um 
a little while ago, I actually went to Pam Hall's, um, um, she had an in-house estate art thing, and I brought my stack of down by Jim Longstage and got her to sign them all. Um, is it out of print now, or? I, I don't, there, there the, was a reprint. There was a reprint, um, but the original, if you can find them, that's when you, like the original 1970s with the Caldecott uh -huh. um, silver, silver and gold sticker on it. If you can find those, that's a, a it's it, it's a book that encourages new flag culture and it's it's a beautifully illustrated book. The rhymes are delicious. It's that's a book I often read. Um, my favorite book to read to children is a book called The Very called The Very Cranky Bear, which when I read it, um, I read it to the tune. Actually, I sing it to the tune of the Beverly of the Beverly Hillbillies theme. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so that's one. That's something I used to love. Um, I can't remember the name of the author, but there are two really great books. The one is called The Dot and one is called Ish. And they're really great children's books about expressing yourselves and encouraging yourself to be expressive. And that with the book Ish, it doesn't matter if it doesn't really look like what you want it to look like. As, uh -huh. as long as it looks fish-ish or vase-ish or star-ish. As long as you're expressing yourself and drawing. Oh, that's great! So yeah, those are my and, and um, so those are my those are my favorites. I think yeah, those are my ultimate favorites. Um, I'm always like I spend an hour every day reading and just to the, to the daycare kids. But uh -huh. the very cranky bear is one that I could I could rhyme it off right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not gonna, With yeah. copyright infringement. Totally. Yeah. 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 They, um, they are. They are so lucky to have you reading to them. Thank because you. that is such a that's such a gift to kids uh, to be well, the, allowed to. The one thing we did do that there was a quite a number of days during the past two years when the daycare was shut down, uh -huh. and Mark and I were actually filming these little YouTube videos called Miss Ellen's. I and know, I, was, I which saw was crazy. Miss Ellen videos. They were, and then they were really good because they not only were they good for little kids, but for for grown-ups that were struggling, mm -hmm. you know, and I know an odd, there were a couple, there were a couple of grown-ups I knew that you were using them as kind of a, um, an inebriating game where they would, <laughs> or whenever I'd say hi or whenever I'd read a certain story, they, they, yeah. they, they, <laughs> the Miss Ellen drinking game, the Miss Ellen drinking game, but it was also not, not, not much diminished, it, but it's, it was a nice, there were a lot of grown-ups who were having a really hard time during everything. Oh, for sure. Still and are, I think. Still, yeah. still they are. And there's, they're, they're, they're still being watched. They're still being enjoyed. And um, um, so you had some grown-ups who were just lost. And they would watch me. And Mark was, was filming me. And they'd, they'd watch me telling a children's story or singing a silly song. Um, in 2020, it's like winter 2020, and then we eventually um, moved out into the outside world when everything was still shut down. Uh -huh. So we would be outside the Anglican Cathedral, or outside the Railway Museum, or outside the Avondale Railway Museum, still doing like little songs and stories oh, instead. We did, we did a Helen Fogwell Porter. Yeah, we went to the Helen Fogwell Porter Bridge. And <laughs> Are these all still on YouTube? They're all still on YouTube. Well, um, I'm going to link to them in the show notes. If okay. If you need some soothing Miss Ellen content. Yes, if you need some soothing Miss Ellen content, um, they they we, we weren't able to do a lot of local ones because of copyright issues, but right, Random yeah. House was lovely. Shout out to Random House because they they, they allowed. A leniency of copyright infringement. Oh, that's great! Yep. And they so they and they keep extending the um, the statute the, the, the timelines so that um, they were saying okay, you can only share these stories online until like June of twenty twenty, and it's now yep. been extended to uh, June thirtieth of twenty twenty two, and it will still be extended yeah. on. I mean, let's hope the need for a lockdown and extending these things doesn't uh, totally doesn't continue too long. But that's really great. That, that was really good. That, so that was a really fun thing. So, so they should they should still be available until at least June thirtieth, twenty twenty. At least we hope. At least the ones that have stories in them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But um, and a lot of times we we didn't do near the end of it. We didn't like do story ones. We just kind of because of copyright infringement, we would just end up singing songs or I would paint numbers backwards and oh, that's great. different things like that. Yeah. Great things good. Fewer forms to fill out. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, it's Thank lovely to see all the different things people have been doing to keep themselves sane and keep each other sane exactly. during the past two years. And thank you guys so much. Thank you so thank much you. for tuning in, being my, you, you. my first 
non-family guests oh. to interview in person in oh. two Yay. years. Wow. wow. But the last time I had like an extended sit-down interview with this, you know, with two people was um, Leslie Vrienhook and Russell Wangerski. And oh, it was the wow. week before lockdown. Mm -hmm. And we were wow. like making jokes about how, you know, you felt weird if you cough in front of people because everybody's looking at you like you have COVID. And then right after that, everything shut down. Jeepers creepers. So, yeah, it's been wow. great to have people. Yay, have this thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Trudy. And thank you, all your people. That wraps up my conversation with Ellen and Mark. And uh, as I said, it was so great not just to have them in, but to have guests in again at all. Uh, in 2022, it's impossible to predict the future. I guess it always is, but especially impossible now. I'm really hoping that next month I'll be back uh, with another episode with a guest or guests, but we'll see how that works out. Uh, as always, if you want to see links to any of the books we talked about, some of the writers whose work Ellen was promoting particularly, uh, her Miss Ellen videos, and uh, any one of a number of other things that we discussed, you just need to go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, and there you can click on the link that says Shelf Esteem, and from there it'll take you to a page with not only links to the podcast, but also show notes for this and every other episode. Uh, one way or another, with guests or without, I'll be talking to you again next month and until then read a good book and build your shelf esteem